headquarters of Ramsey Solutions. It's the Ramsey Show, where debt is dumb, cash is king, and the paid-off home mortgage has taken the place of the BMW as the status symbol of choice. I'm Dave Ramsey, your host, Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, host of the Ken Coleman Show, and author of the number one bestseller, From Paycheck to Purpose. He is my co-host today as we answer your questions and help people build wealth, do work that they love, and create actual amazing relationships. Garrett is going to start us off this hour. He is in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Hi, Garrett. What's up? Mr. Ramsey, it's an honor to ask you how you are. Better than I deserve, sir. What's up? (laughs) Good to hear. Well, uh, the company I work for, I think, uh, might be in trouble. For the last five, ten years, we've done ten to twelve million dollars in revenue, made five to ten percent every year. This year, we're showing negative one point six million dollars bottom line. Cash flow is good. Um, I just, I don't know what to do. Uh, you own the company? You said you work for them. Uh, I work for them. Uh, I work pretty closely with the owner. Okay. What do you do? Uh, uh, so I'm project estimator, project manager. Um, I'm trying to help with the financials. I've followed your principles. I'm debt free. I'm trying to bring them into the company. I'm in talks with NetSuite right now to get them set up with our company. Good. Um, and we're just trying to understand how we're showing $1.6 million in a loss right now. Uh, our basic expenses are payroll, fuel, and repairs. Um, well, let's is, start with a simple you, equation that profit is created by revenue minus expenses, right? Yes, sir. So what's down or what's up? Expenses up and revenues down? What's the deal? Uh, I think for the revenue for this time of year is down quite a bit. Um, I think expenses for hourly rates have gone up. We do hourly jobs and we do bid jobs. Um, for the bid jobs, we show positive revenue or positive profit for that job. Um, You're an estimator. If your hourly has gone up on the individual jobs, that's a variable expense that should be built into the job cost. Correct. Have you have you not added it to the job cost and added profit on top of it? Hourly shouldn't on a, in, hourly that is that can be costed out job costed to a job. You as an estimator know that that should not have have sunk you. It should have just raised the cost of the customer. Right, and there are several divisions in our company, and I've I was spent a few times or a few days analyzing our hours for last year and marking that against our um, our overhead for the year and those rates seem pretty high and sometimes they're just not used and they go with their gut feeling um because if we charge you know four hundred dollars for a dozer they're just going to tell us no so we have to try and make no no is good if you're losing a hundred dollars when you charged 400 you'd have been better off to park it so you don't lose money when it's parked okay I mean, I don't, if, 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 the rate, if the cost of the dozer operator now makes the rate for a dozer 500 and you're only charging 400 that's why you're losing money. You haven't raised your prices after your labor cost went up. Okay. Am so I missing something? Better off. No, sir. 
So better off not to work for those companies if they won't accept our rates. Exactly. Because guess what? Everybody's got the same problem you got. You didn't just pay your dozer operators way more than everybody else. The cost of a dozer operator went up. I got the same thing internally, except I don't have dozer operators. I've got developers. I got programmers in the tech world. Uh, and, you know, the only thing they're dozing is ones and zeros, but they're dozing them. And so, uh, but the, uh, you know, the cost of a developer has gone up dramatically in 24 months. And guess what? That's going to be reflected in what you guys pay to go to a Ramsey whatever, you know, because I, you know, I'm going to pass the business owners pass those costs along. Corporations okay. don't lose money. They, they raise their prices. Companies so for our don't hourly rates. We need to project how much overhead we think we're going to have for the year, and then project how many hours we're going to use that dozer for, and then divide that, and yep. then add ten percent to that, and then that's what we should charge. Yeah, what most companies do, and you're an estimator, so you probably already know all this. But what most companies do is they say, okay, here's the cost of the uh, of the cost of goods sold. Here, here's the materials, the the equipment usage and the labor associated with the job, okay? And that's the dozer, the dozer operator, the fuel, the truck cost to move the dozer to the site, okay? All of that is job costed. You know what I'm saying, right, Garrett? Yep. Okay. Then most companies, in addition to that, will allocate a an overhead percentage to that job. And you can determine the overhead percentage however you want. You can do it based on gross revs and say, okay, we got a $10 million gross rev. This is a million-dollar job, so this job gets 10% of our overhead. You see how I did that? A pro rata allocation of overhead to each job. And you need to be job costing out your overhead and then adding profit to both the actual cost of the job, the job costed overhead together, then put a profit on top of that and bang, you're back profitable again. But I think two things have happened. One is you guys were pretty disorganized on some of these smaller jobs. The bigger jobs you were doing a good job of running the job cost on and your accounting on these smaller jobs sucks and you're guessing. I think you're correct on that. Yeah. Well, the, we're trying you would be a normal $10 million company. company. That's what we were doing when we were $10 million. Our accounting sucked when we were $10 million. We were, and I'm the money guy, and our accounting was horrible. And But today, man, it's so freaking dialed in, it's unbelievable. And so you're really doing a good job, a good thing here. So your uh, leadership team needs to get into entree leadership yesterday, and our guys can coach you guys through this. But this is a okay. uh, first. You got to know where you are and get this, get these numbers dialed in to each job and get and get the overhead dialed in, and then start an allocation of overhead formula of some kind, and then add profits to the top of that. Then that will tell you how to raise your prices, and this is going to go away. But what happened was you were out earning your stupidity. Yeah, I you were make yeah you're true. making enough money that your sloppiness you were getting away with it. There's also one other thing going on here, Garrett, and I heard it when you said it. Where, well, we have to say no then. We'll have to walk away from a company that doesn't want to pay it. You don't get to exclude yourself from the marketplace. Inflation is a function of all of this, and so your hourly wages have gone up, the cost of fuel, which makes that dozer more expensive. So you you don't, you don't, guys are worried about them going, well, we don't like that. Well, tough, because you just got to stand your ground and explain basic economics to these folks. The dozer, if they the need you, they'll call you. The company across town has the same, same fuel cost, problem. and they have the same labor cost. That's right. 
And so if yeah. they're not going to go up on their price, you're going to be buying their machines at a nickel on the dollar when they go broke. So they're everybody, this is why the cost of bread has gone up, because the cost of fuel to deliver the bread has gone up. The $10 guy that used to put the bread on the shelf is now a $20 guy. Those, is, those numbers are all built into the cost of bread. And so if you want a universal wage, guess who's going to pay for it? You are, because you're going to cut, it's going to be absorbed into the cost of that loaf of bread. You do not get to pass on this stuff like you're a magic fairy wand. Oh, my gosh. Hey guys, George Camel here, and I'm so excited to tell you about the newest product from Ramsey. It's called Gazelle, and it's a digital banking experience that will help you spend and save the Ramsey way with banking services provided by Pathword NA. You'll get a single spending account with no monthly fees, and it's FDIC insured through Pathword NA. We're offering early access to our beta customers so you can help us make it the best experience it can be. Just go to RamseySolutions.com slash Gazelle to sign up for the waitlist today. Talking about the real estate market and how hot it is right now, we are doing on July the 14th a live stream about the real estate market. Everybody's upset about it. Everybody's scared about it. Everybody's excited about it. Everybody's talking about it. So we think we should do the same. So we're going to do that. It's called the Real Estate Reality Check. We launched it today. The live stream is free. Yeah, you heard me. Free. We're not charging for it. So George Camel, Rachel Cruz, and I will unpack everything for you about prices going down. Is the housing market going to crash? Is this a, the, is this a reboot of the 2008 recession? Are you going to see something similar? What, what about inflation? What about recession? What about my house price? Should I wait for house prices to go down to buy? Uh, spoiler alert, no. And here's the thing. We're not going to participate in the fear porn of the news networks. We're just going to give you the actual facts, and we'll do it in line with historical perspective, which is the only way you can analyze these trends properly. You cannot analyze them when you put your hand up so close in front of your face that you can't see. You have to back out, pan back, zoom out until you get a full view of what's really going on, and then you go, oh, in light of that... I don't have to be so scared. Real estate reality check. Have your friends that think we're going to hell in a handbasket watch. This is free because we're not. RamseySolutions.com slash reality check. RamseySolutions.com slash reality check. Also, something else going on around here. Dr. John Deloney's new, uh, we've got new versions of the questions for humans. These conversation starter card packs are amazing. You know, we've sold about them. 50,000 of these things. It's crazy. It's awesome. I'm so excited. I I didn't think it would be this big, but it's huge. You guys are buying these conversation cards like crazy. People don't want to talk to each other, and this is a way to get the conversation started. Now we've got four new types, a girl's night pack, a guy's night pack, a dating for people who are dating, parents and teens, and a workplace edition. 
Questions for human cards are now at RamseySolutions.com, brand new set. Our question of the day comes from Blinds.com. Find out for yourself why Blinds.com is the number one online retailer of custom window coverings, free samples, free shipping, and new promos all the time. Use the promo code RAMSEY. Today's question comes from Rita, New Jersey. I am a Java programmer. Did I say that right? Yes, you I feel did. like that was a little above my pay grade. No, you did it. Yeah, there it is. Uh, and I've been with the same company for almost 10 years. I earned $96,000 with bonuses. I recently uh, realized that my salary is low for my experience and education. Other companies are offering an average of 130000 I want to look for another job, but I'm not sure this is the right time. My husband and I are hoping to have a second child sooner then later, my husband is also starting a new job this month, and I'm afraid it may be too late for me to make this change since I'm in my late 30s. Oh, <laughs> God, you're about to die any minute. <laughs> yeah, there's you're a late pattern 30s. here. 30s, how do you make it? <laughs> we a wheelchair, a it'll hold you back. That's oh, right. Uh, we have a year's worth of money saved, which would help with the risk of taking a new job. Should Why I look is there for risk? Up- Uh, And she finishes with, should I look for other opportunities at this stage of my life? So three times now we've heard, it may be too late since I'm in my late 30s at this stage of my life. So a lot of fear over something, uh, Rita, that you don't need to be afraid of. First of all, you're in your prime. So there's nothing about being uh, too late. You are absolutely in your prime, your most marketable time, uh, over the next uh, decade and a half. So uh, I don't know what you're afraid of other than uh, rejection. And uh, it's normal when we take on uh, change, which is the unknown. And so what you have to do is just focus on what you know, uh, that you can get as much as $130,000, according to your research, which is a significant bump. It's thirty four grand in bump based on what you do, your experience, and your talent. So I would go for it. Uh, you never know when the baby's coming or not. And uh, so I wouldn't wait. I would take the opportunity now uh, to move up uh, in income and give yourself a ladder financially. I just now the fear is you've said it's about being in your late thirties, and that's an excuse. You're afraid to put yourself out there, and so what we do is we manufacture uh, some real excuses so that we can feel better about pausing or holding off. And uh, now, now, it's a crutch, Rita. When you take the new job before you take it, I want you to make very sure that the quality of people inside the company is excellent, that these are good humans and you want to be with them every day because you're going to spend a lot of time with them. And so you don't want to get more money but go into a toxic cesspool of humanity. And that can happen. And programmers sometimes forget to understand the quality of culture that you're working in matters. The other thing you don't want to do is if you're working 40 hours a week now, you don't want to go to a place that expects you to work 80 hours a week. And so you need to have real clarity on the culture of the organization, the quality of the humans you're going to be around, uh, and what the work hour expectation is. Uh, And one more thing, we want to be comfortable that this company you're going to work for is not some startup and they're running it out of their back pocket and they're about to go broke any minute, but they pay a lot today. But they're not going to live through next Friday. Okay, so uh, if if they're financially stable, it's a solid company, and they've got really good people in a really good environment, and you move up, there is nothing to fear in the change. And if you move from, you know, move up thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 in income, that's nothing to fear at all. You wouldn't worry about that at all. That's like saying I drive a $500 pickup, and uh, I have the opportunity to go buy a $35,000 paid cash 
you know, brand new Ford F one fifty loaded to the max, and you know, uh, which you probably can't get for thirty five thousand. But anyway, the uh, uh, but whatever, you know, you go get a not a, a much nicer car. People don't dread change when it's better. That's right, and so, when it's yeah, an upgrade. That's right. And to your point, you have to look into it. You have to put yourself out there and discover. You know what's out there. Is it a healthy culture? And they'll do it. You know. And Ken, I'm seeing this uh, with people in the marketplace now with with so much change in the job. You know, the great resignation, people moving to other places and working. And I've seen it with friends, and I've actually seen it with people that left Ramsey a time or two. I've seen it with other places, and uh, they didn't do a good analysis of what they were going to. That's right. And they get in, they get themselves in with a group that they don't like being around, and it's bad people. Mm-hmm. And and the only variable that they upgraded in was the money variable. And then, but they lose control of their life. They're working too many hours. They're working for doofuses. Um, and, and then they regret making the decision. And yep. people fear making a bad decision. But uh, if you do your research, take your time in the interview process. Work the process. If you can make thirty or forty thousand dollars more in a in a place with a similar number of hours, that's as good or better people, and they're financially stable. Yes, you should do that. Yeah, it's a no brainer. And you're absolutely right. We are seeing a lot of people. There's now a term for them called boomerang employees. They're looking to come back to companies. And the caution here is is that we want you to make more money, and you should be able to make more money. However, uh, as Dave has pointed out, if you chase just a bigger paycheck. Uh, that paycheck high wears off if you are in a toxic culture with moron leaders who don't value you. You will not last. You will not last. And uh, you have to look at the entire picture and make sure that you're not leaving just for a bigger paycheck, but for opportunity that's going to make your entire life better. Yeah, the other thing that's boomeranging is this: um, the person who thought they wanted to work from home. Yes, and very lonely. They're, they're they're heading out there. They're lonely, and they found out that by the way, working from home actually means you also work. Sometimes it's code for I don't want to work much. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, you know, you're working from home now. You're trying to do computer programming with a three year old screaming, uh, which is really hard to do. Yeah. By the way, one other and trend: so working Dave. from home is not like. It, it's not. It's not like uh, Nirvana, and people right. are discovering this. It, it's got all kinds of downside. One other quick trend I want to point out on this point, Dave, is we're seeing that they're not getting promoted as much, out of sight, out of mind, as companies are returning back Ooh. to the workplace. You know, leaders are going to promote people that they're interacting with a little bit more. We're seeing this in the data, so this is a real risk as well. Yeah, you take yourself off the market. Wow. Yeah, we're seeing people come back for, to other jo- from other jobs that were bad. We're seeing them come back from work from home. Uh, they don't come back to Ramsey because we, we have a policy we don't rehire. We figure the reason you left is the reason you'll screw us and leave again. So, you know, once you're gone, we love you. Go to work somewhere else. This is The Ramsey Show. Coleman Ramsey personality is my co-host today. 
In the lobby of Ramsey Solutions on the debt-free stage, Alan and Anya are with us. Hey, guys, how are you? Great. Doing great. great. Welcome. Where do you guys live? Long Beach, California. All the way to Nashville to do a debt-free scream. How much did you pay off? 690000 <laughs> And how long did this take? Nine years, 11 months. Wow. Ooh, suspiciously like 10 years. Wow. And your range of income during the decade? Uh, we started right around two hundred. And and last year we were up over four hundred and um, with a lot of overtime. So now we're backing it back down again. Good for you. What do you guys do for a living? My goodness. Uh, I I'm a um, Ramsey certified financial coach. Mm-hmm. And I operate heavy equipment in the port of Long Beach. Ah, yeah. Both of you doing well. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And working a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There was a whole bunch of people waiting on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of a little, I, kind I of did, had a line back up there. Yeah, I did my best. It wasn't your fault. wasn't your fault, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, that was a deal, I was man. thinking the same thing about all those ships that were lined up. Uh, is that uh, still the case? Or is no. It's, okay, good. You got caught up, huh? Yes. Yeah, all that, a lot of OT, though, huh? Absolutely. <laughs> I bet. I bet. So what kind of debt was the uh, 690000 Is that the house? Um, it was a little bit of everything. We had a credit card. We had a HELOC. We had a truck loan. And we had... Um, was it? Personal loan. Oh, yeah. We had a personal loan. Mm-hmm. And then we had three mortgages. Three mortgages. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? It's California. Let's exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so you're 100% debt-free, debt-free house and everything. Everything. Yeah. We're looking at weird people. <laughs> I love it. Congratulations, you guys, and a decade of hustle and grind. Ooh. Like yes. you said, it's a marathon. Yeah, for real. That's amazing. So tell us the story. What starts you on a decade-long journey to be 100% free? Um, our church, Arbor Road Church in Long Beach, was offering FPU. Yep. And they had free child care. So we had a three and a seven-year-old at the time. Mm-hmm. So it sounded like a night off for me. <laughs> right. yeah. So I said, let's do this. Yeah. And I said, yes, dear. <laughs> yeah, good man. <laughs> So free babysitter. That's the hook. Okay. That's the hook. Who knew? Yeah, there we go. All right. And you go in there and you go, okay, my night off just turned into, uh, uh-oh, I now, have an, uh, I now have an assignment. Absolutely. Well, it, you know, it's all about the communication. That's, mm-hmm. you know, that's the key to it, really. It's mm-hmm. about setting that time aside and um, being intentional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big deal. Congratulations. So do you remember back... 10 years ago the lessons there were 13 lessons then yep. mm-hmm. um how far into the class before you went oh game on we got to do this um i'm pretty stubborn it i took the class twice okay <laughs> so the second time yeah we're going through it how far into the no. <laughs> okay about halfway through okay yeah all right all right Kind of, you remember the light switch going yes, on? yes i do a little little yeah. light bulb over your head chink right mm-hmm. yeah I remember those moments in my life at different things. Yeah, it's it's pretty incredible. And so, how long have you been a uh, a Ramsey coach on you? Um, I started last year. I've led uh, four sessions of FPU, mm-hmm. and um, then I I said, you know, I need to deep digger, sorry, mm-hmm. dig deeper into this and um, do the do the coaching. It's just yeah. what I need to do. Yeah, cool, very cool. It's obviously working, huh? Yes. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for all the help and the leading of this and so you said the key to getting out is intentional intentionality and communication uh what about you alan what do you say the key Um, to getting out is for me it was about legacy Mm -hmm. um 
I came from some challenges in my life, mm-hmm. and um, if I can do it, anyone can do it. Mm. Um, and so to break that chain and to create a legacy, um, that was my why. Changing the family tree. Mm. Yes. For our listening audience, uh, Alan is uh, holding a classic that Dave talks about, has talked about for decades, the tortoise in the hair of the children's book. That's a good-looking addition there. Uh, i got to set you up. You brought that for a reason. You've been holding on to it. Why does that mean so much to you to bring it today? Well, Ten years is a long time. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but slow and steady wins the race. Yeah. And um, we're 40 years old when we started this, and now uh, we're positioned to retire inspired. Mm. Yeah. You have zero debt, house or anything. You live zero. in California. Hello. I mean, yeah. that's a big deal. Yep. That's a big deal. You make really good money, and you have not a payment in the world. Nope. Was it worth it? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a long run. It is. Long run. How's it feel to be free? It's amazing. It, you know, knowing that he can work or not work, mm. you know, he can retire early. Mm-hmm. Um, we can spend more time at the vacation home in Arizona, mm-hmm. um, spending more time with our grandkids as well. So. Yeah, there we go. Game on. Yep. Mm. Good job, you guys. Very, very good job. Outside of the two of you, outside your family, who was the biggest cheerleaders? Uh, We have our kids here with us. Mm -hmm. Um, My mom was a really big supporter. Mm -hmm. We had a lot of friends who thought that it was a great idea for us. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, meanwhile, they're taking out new 30-year mortgages Mm -hmm. uh, at our age. Mm -hmm. And um, so a friend of ours gave us a little gift of a unicorn when we paid off our first mortgage in 2019 mm-hmm. because there really wasn't anyone around us, you mm-hmm. know, doing that. So, um, you know, we've tried to encourage people, yeah. you know, I mean, we can do it. Anyone can do it. Absolutely. You know, Southern California, it's, it's such a rat race. Everyone's caught up uh, like a hamster in a wheel. Mm-hmm. Um, and concepts like peace, contentment, and freedom that, they're foreign when you're on that wheel. Mm. And when you're on the other side, it's it's unexplainable. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You said something, Alan, earlier. I don't want the audience to miss. I'm just curious how you would uh, explain to us. You said you had a tough past is, is, is basically what I heard. You had a really interesting past. And you said, if I can do it, anybody can do it. What are you taking away from that? What, what do you mean? What do you want the audience to understand about that? When, when I, right after I met him, sorry, um, in the mid-90s, uh, he was homeless. Oh. And um, behind drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, just knowing that just one foot in front of the other, um, support from those around you, anything's possible. Yeah. Uh, f- for a point in uh, my 20s, I got into uh, mountain climbing. Mm-hmm. And um, I found it's better not to look at the summit. Just look at what's in front of you, mm-hmm. one step after another. Oh, wow. Mm. <laughs> That's good. Mm-hmm. It took 10 years, but we're here. You're on top of the mountain. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, man, when you come through that house, sweet it is! <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Congratulations, man. That's powerful. Yeah. Woo! You. Man, I'm fired up. Yeah, I, I'm with you. You uh You've conquered some serious stuff in your life. This debt was it was just another one. Absolutely. <laughs> one more down. I like it. <laughs> it's a warrior. Yeah, we uh, right after we finished the FPU class, actually we had a major disaster at our vacation home in Arizona and um a flood came through town that was about 
a hundred year flood mm-hmm. and the water came up to the windows mm-hmm. and um you know so we got knocked down a few times along the way um it's not an easy road mm-hmm. but you just keep getting up yeah you know you just keep doing it day after day yeah that's powerful very good stuff you guys all right bring the guys in what are their names and ages so we have eight Aiden, who is mm-hmm. 18, mm-hmm. and we have Aaron, who is 14. All right. Perfect stuff. Yeah, that's the three-year-old there. Now he's 13. I love it. Yep. <laughs> Good stuff. All right. We got a copy of Baby Steps Millionaires for you. Uh, you're probably already that with that real estate paid for in California. <laughs> yeah. How to ordinary people build extraordinary wealth, how you can too, and also a copy of Total Money Makeover. You can give that away in your coaching and stir up a ruckus with somebody. We're so proud of you guys. You're amazing people. What heroes. Thank you. Absolutely phenomenal. Thank you for sharing your story with us. Very nice. 690000 paid off in nine years and 11 months, making two hundred to four hundred. Alan and Anya, Aiden and Aaron from Long Beach, 100% debt-free. Count it down. Let's hear a debt-free scream. Three, Three two, two, one. one. We're, We're debt-free! This is the Ramsey Show. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, host of the Ken Coleman Show, author of the book From Paycheck to Purpose, is my co-host this hour as we talk to you about building wealth, doing work you love, and creating actual amazing relationships. Andrew is with us. Andrew is in Durham, North Carolina. Hi, Andrew. How are you? Hey, hello. It's uh, great to speak with you two gentlemen. Thank you very much. Our honor, sir. Uh, Yes. Uh, I'm a grandfather, mid-80s. My wife and I are well off financially. Actually, we've been debt-free for 30 years, and we visited your studio two years ago. Wonderful, wonderful experience. Here's my question. Uh, We have uh, five uh, young adult grandchildren. One is 26, graduated college two years ago, summa cum laude, great Christian girl. She took a Christian internship that provided her a part-time job with uh, some lawyers, and she finished the internship and went on to uh, take the full-time position as a paralegal. So she's making, like, in the mid-30s, she really dislikes the job. She loves writing, seems to have talent in that field. She wants to be in, like, journalism, broadcasting. She has an opportunity to attend a one-year master's program at a well-regarded northern university. The cost is about $75,000. she will get a $25,000 scholarship. She needs an additional $50,000 plus living cost. Uh, my concerns are this. She's never worked in the field that she's interested in, and I just wonder how you know, how important that would be in her career. We're thinking of helping 
but uh, maybe having some strings attached, uh, maybe a loan from our family trust. And I'm just wondering how you would guide her and my wife and myself uh, to help her to maximum ability. Wow. Fantastic uh, question. So uh, I think she needs to spend some time with people that are in broadcasting or journalism in the specific area that she's interested in. There might be two or three different lanes. And my advice would be to have her spend some time with them to learn the ins and outs and what does a day look like? What does the financial path look like? What does growth look like? Not just in position, but also in income. And then I would also challenge her uh, to uh, reconsider the prestigious university in the Northeast because nobody cares where a broadcaster went to school. Uh, They just don't. In fact, we don't even care where our doctors went to school by evidence of the fact that few of us ever ask where our doctors went to med school. And so the scholarship of 25000 at a very prestigious school could probably be uh, a full scholarship potentially or certainly less money for you to give to her uh, to further her education and get that experience. I will say in broadcasting, a degree is not required. At the age of 33, I made a pivot to move into broadcasting and I had to earn my way and figure out how to do it on the side and eventually got Dave Ramsey's attention. Uh, But there was no school or degree involved. It was just good old-fashioned learning how to do broadcasting, doing small things while having a day job. And uh, so I would say that in broadcasting, if she were to get a full ride uh, or you were to pay a lot less money for a less prestigious school, but that one-year program got her some real-life broadcasting experience in the form of internships and some premium placement, uh, that could certainly help, but it's not necessary. So, um, yeah, yeah, Yeah. I I really appreciate your heart, Andrew, and the way you asked the question, the way you poised it is very loving, but it's also very wise and very practical, as would be expected from a man like you. Um, The the thing is this, okay, I have been in broadcasting for 30 years. I work with just about every major network that you see or hear on television or radio anywhere. Um, I, I do interviews almost every week with uh, someone outside of here, whether they be in New York or California or Atlanta or Durham, North Carolina even. Um, and, and I got to tell you, I don't think that, um, uh, as a matter of fact, I'm 100% positive that a master's degree is not necessary to be a writer and to be a journalist. It's simply not. Um and it's certainly not worth $75,000 for a one-year program. Uh, there's no return on investment on that. The goal that your granddaughter has is a valid goal, and she has discovered or has been told a mistaken method to get to her goal. The ladder that she wants to use to get to her goal is the wrong ladder. It's not a necessary ladder, and it's super expensive. And so um, I don't know that as a grandpa you'll be able to talk her down off this thing. She's probably all hyped up about going to this particular school. The prestige of it's got her all jazzed, and she's jonesed up with it. Uh, and she's got this idea that being a master's is, you know, having a master's is going to open all these doors. And the truth is it just doesn't. Uh, it doesn't. You can either write, and you get in there and you start writing, and you write, and you learn to write copy, and you learn to communicate 
uh, verbally and you learn to work a stage or a camera or a microphone, depending on which side of the thing you're going to be on and, and what part of broadcasting and, and journalism you're going to be involved in. Uh, but, uh, you know, here's the other thing. They don't make any money. It's not, it's not a re- big lucrative yeah. career. And so, I mean, if you're yeah. a writer for a major network in New York City, you make 50 or 60 grand and you're 25, 26 years old and they work you 80 hours a week. And, you know, and, and so you can't justify a $75,000 additional expense no. to go do that. No. She's already got the skills to do it. And uh, we work with those young people every day. And they, most of them are young people uh, in, in these roles. And they're, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're writing the teleprompter for the script we're getting ready to do in the interview. And most people don't follow it after they write it, but it's done, you know. And so I don't know how you're going to talk her out of it. But, boy, if you could, you should, because she's barking up the wrong tree. She's getting ready to spend a whole bunch of money she doesn't need to spend to go do something she doesn't need to do to get to be who she wants to be. Yeah. That, uh, and, and I actually do know something about that. You know, it's, we're actually <laughs> right, right square in the middle of it. You know? Right. Well, neither you or I have formal broadcasting training. We just started doing it, and you, you stink at first. You yeah, know? but I mean, you, the, you think it. the number of people that we talk to that are behind the scenes, that are writers. Oh, yeah. They're, they're print reporters yeah. in journalism or they're script writers for shows, uh, and, and they're trying to build, you know, what we call produce a segment. That's correct. Meaning that we're working with Fox and Friends, and we're getting ready to go on Fox and Friends, and the producer that's producing the segment normally is 26 years old. Oh, yeah. No master's. Know, and, and uh, well, I don't know if she or he's got a master's, but I have no indication that they do, and I have no care if they do. Right. Neither does uh, Steve Ducey when he that's stands right. in front of the camera. Yeah. All he wants to know is, can we? did we produce the segment where it that's makes correct. it logical, it's cogent, the narrative is there, the story arc is there, are we delivering in a, in a concise manner, mm-hmm. and basic journalism rules. And, I mean, you can get that in a community college taking three writing last outside of that dave the very first broadcasting and only broadcasting class i ever took was 699 dollars with a local tv and radio producer he was legit in atlanta and i was with a bunch of 20 somethings and i learned things in that six-week course one night a week six weeks i learned things in that course that i still use today with you and and it's the basic fundamental so who can teach me what i actually need to learn is this question we ask and and andrew what what we're all talking about here is you and ken and i is where the education system and the culture are are uh have misled Mm -hmm. about the last three generations and told them that where you go to school matters and that you always have to have more school no matter what, and that uh, ridiculous levels of education are necessary to pull off some of these basic jobs, mm-hmm. and they're not. She has a four-year degree. She's been a paralegal. She's already doing writing all day long. It's just boring, bad writing in the law office, you know, and so she's fine. Uh, I would tell her to go to work, go to work in the journalism field. She doesn't like her job, change jobs, and, and, and take, you know, take some night classes on writing. And uh, that's what I would do. And I would not loan her money. um, And I would not give her money to do something that is a path that I don't believe is the correct path. This is The Ramsey Show. Dave here. You can find all of our shows with the Ramsey Network app on your smartphone. 
It's the only place to listen to the entire back catalog of episodes. Download the Ramsey Network app in your favorite app store today.